This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. 1.32 on this beautiful Thursday morning. My name is Nyaka Lotefu. I'm standing in for Katlakholokhodi and we are on to the next topic of the show. Uh, I will be with you until 3 o'clock, by the way. Um, so our next topic is regarding Moody's upgrading Nigeria. And we are speaking to Ebenezer Wikina, who is the founder of Policy Shapers. Ebenezer, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. So let's get straight into it. Moody's has upgraded Nigeria. Tell us about this upgrade. Yeah, I mean, it, it did. It did seem like a really interesting news when it when it came in. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a lot of conversation had come in following the new president about the state of the economy and unemployment. And some of the challenges that we've had, and you know, just predicting what the 2024 economy is going to be like going into the year. But yeah, this um, it was it was interesting to, to see the movie reports. Um, you know, after giving us a negative score, leading us to saying that we're, we've we've moved from being um, you know, uh, if I would use colors, we moved from being red to orange. <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. it's not. Uh, I mean, things are looking a lot more better than they, than they were a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, things, things are a lot more hopeful. However, you know, I want to look at it from, if you look at it from, from what's happening on, on the ground currently, citizens mm-hmm. might tell you that there's a bit of a contrast because a couple of multinationals over the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, months, have left the country. For example, Procter & Gamble have... Um, Close down the Nigeria operation and are going to use simply like an import model for their mm. for their products. So they're not going to be producing anything within the country. Mm. I mean, there's also the issues around the fuel subsidy, um, challenges around like trying to buy gas, just mm. um, food food inflation and everything. So yeah, so yeah, so most people might not see the report as um, as a direct, you know. Um, you know, picture of what's happening on ground currently, but I'm sure that um, with all of the indications and some of the, I mean, tough uh, decisions and policies that the president is putting in place, mm. hopefully we'll be seeing a lot of change going into 2024. Yeah, and what does this mean for Nigeria and its economy? Yeah, so, well, I mean, I think that being Africa's most populous nation, right? <laughs> I mean, Nigeria does need um, to reach its potential. Right? There's mm. been a lot of talk about Nigeria being one of the greatest countries in the world and you know being African giant and all those kind of things. But in, in, in recent times, Nigeria really hasn't been able to reach its potential. It's not been able to unless its, um, its demographic dividends and ensure that you know, its youth population is being converted to industry workforce, to you know, create products and solutions that can be exported to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I, I mean, there's just a lot of, you know, um, gaps. Really, there's much potential. There's, yeah. there's so many gaps. So, um, yeah, I mean, moving his report and um, quite a number of organizations have also like come forward. Um, I, I saw something recently in the Times mm-hmm. talking about um, just like how the potential in the country can be converted to products. 
and how you know, it's important that the president is able to take really bold steps to to, to, to make that happen. Yeah. yeah. And tell me about the biggest drivers of this upgrade. Um, so we're going to talk about Nigeria's economy and the the one like what drives Nigeria's economy to actually rise continuously. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, one of Nigeria's um, biggest, and that's been our single, I think our single sort of revenue has been oil, right? Um, Nigeria's blessed a lot of oil and gas. Mm-hmm. And that that has been a blessing, but also can be a cost in the sense that, um, you know, if it's a blessing in the sense, I mean, you have oil. Basically, I mean, think of <laughs> think of the oil, oil market and all of the oil needs. But it's, it's also a cost in the sense that we've not been able to think Mm. Beyond oil, since it was discovered in the 1950s, um, so it's been a lot of focus on oil, and most of the government administrations have just basically focused on just that that sector. There's not been a lot of diversification. Mm. Um, there's been a lot of focus on just ensuring that it's a single stream income, so everything, all the profit comes from oil. So the oil market is crashing, our revenue is crash. If it's rising, our revenue is rising. You know? So it's sort of equal. Um, Sometimes unpredictable, hard to plan. Um, so there's been a lot of talk about thinking of ways to diversify the economy, and I think that's one of the things that you've seen in Moody's report, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing that um, you know there's so much talk now about agriculture and how mm-hmm. agriculture can be one of the ways to boost Nigeria's um, economy. Mm-hmm. There's also talk about lithium as well. So most of the talk around renewable energy and the need for uh, Movements, I mean, COP, for example, the conference, com, confluence of parties, right? The climate change conversations that happen in Dubai. Mm-hmm. There's so much talk around, like, how batteries can become more efficient and the need for a high demand for lithium. Mm-hmm. And Nigeria does have um, huge deposits of lithium, right? Mm-hmm. That are not stacked yet, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. that, that also could be one of the, you know, potential resources or resources that can become. Um, maybe the next big thing for the country. So yes, I just think there's so much potential. I think that that's what Moody has seen that that led to the that that led to the upgrade. Um, and I hope that that, that potential really can be captured so, and converted. Mm. And maybe let us know how how the youth is involved. Uh, how how Nigeria actually involves the youth in terms of driving the economy. I mean, when I think about it, I just think mm. of your artists that are really making waves uh, around the country, uh, around yeah, the world, yeah. in fact. Around the world, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, no, no, I mean, young, young people are, the, I mean, I feel like young people that Nigeria's youth are like the biggest ambassadors of the country, whether it's in sports mm. or entertainment <laughs> or music or fashion. I mean, um, the the calf that's the um, calf Africa Awards I think yeah. the the male and female best players they both they both Nigerians right? so like Nigerian youth are you know they're ex- excelling I think where you know the youth sort of had challenges had mostly been that um, they mostly had to sort of figure these things out on their own because mm-hmm. like maybe in South Africa or some countries where you know there are a lot more better welfare packages. Maybe people leave school and you know, do the national service. After the national service, yeah, you know, government doesn't support you anymore. Like, you have to figure out if you can find a job, you have to start a business. Mm. Sort of just like grind your way out of, you know, unemployment and figure things out on your own. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's a lot of that going on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so many young people are just trying to figure things out on their own. Um, 
I think it's mostly just trying to ensure that they can tap into their talents and you know make up for even like what they learn in school. Because I mean, I mean, just just like in most countries now, mm. what is taught in school is usually not sufficient for what people need in the labor market. So people don't have to like learn additional skills. So you see many young people in tech, you know, learning how to code, um, building startups, you know, and trying to solve local problems even with with, with, with startups. So. I think it's more like do it yourself kind of thing. Going <laughs> for the young this is that right? because I think there's too much potential mm-hmm. and with a huge population. So the the Nigerian so population is about two hundred and ten million ish. Mm-hmm. About sixty percent of that population is under twenty five. So that's a huge you know, like bulk of the population that are just within the Gen Z age and you know, late millennials. So you have a lot of people who who are innovative who are you know, these natives, you know, who can really solve a lot of problems. And I just hope that you know, the government will also be able to think of ways to what is the next year. Think of ways to like build a lot more industry and support that this creative talent, you know, whether it's in entertainment or sports and even just like in science as well. Like just ensuring that there's a broad support for youth across across the country. Yeah. And perhaps let's talk about um how prevalent corruption is in Nigeria and how it affects the economy. I'm just saying, perhaps we uh, can you can we just touch on how prevalent uh, corruption is in Nigeria and how it actually affects yeah. the economy. Yeah, no, no. I think I mean corruption has been the biggest. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think it's Africa's biggest plague, right? Um, the fact that people use power and position mm. for 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 personal gain. Yeah. Um, that's been a biggest plague, to be honest. I think that um yeah, I mean there's been a lot of efforts, um, yeah. not not good enough to be honest, but effort from government to yeah. be able to address this. We have the Economic and Financial Crimes Commission, mm-hmm. called the EFCC, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be like an independent body that like checkmate what's happening in the political space, ensuring that there's no diversion of funds, and, like audit of all government accounts every year, all these kind of things. But somehow because you have to select, you know, who becomes the, the EFCC chairperson, he then has like so much power over the person because that the person, you know, is not is really not able to and I think it's in successive administrations, not just in the current administration. The person is really not able to disperse their you know, roles well. Mm-hmm. And next time, and I'm sure you know what happens, the FCC then becomes like a, you know, tool against the opposition. Yeah. So the opposition is not the only, you know, <laughs> the FCC is not putting satellite on them and chasing them and finding them and mm-hmm. look, looking out for stuff. Why not, you know, without looking at the ruling, ruling party. So so that's often what we have seen, you know, with the corruption. There are quite a number of suicide organizations that like, work within our policy makers, mm-hmm. you know, calling for more transparency. Mm-hmm. I think that budget implementation reports are published so that, you know, I mean, it's one thing to budget, but when you actually do spend the money, what did you spend it on? What's, where's the receipts? Where's the invoice? You know, where's the evidence? And all those kind of things. So just ensuring that mm-hmm. all of these things are, are published out there mm-hmm. and it's, you know, the country has a bit more open governance style. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of effort. I, I feel we're still scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we really do need as a country, and I think this might also be a continental thing, is that we actually do need leaders that have character who who would not need someone to 
twist them to be transparent, who actually want to be transparent, who are passionate about showing that they are not there to just, you know, take all of the money and, and build houses for themselves in America or, yeah. or, or wherever, you know, but are actually passionate about just wanting to do the right thing and just wanting to, you know, solve problems and just mm. making sure that people are, you know, away from poverty and hunger and all the things that we see across the continent. So I think that's, that's been what has really been lacking and, and I hope we'll be able to crack that, you know, mm. in coming years. Yeah, thank you for that. And let's just wrap it up. Um, what is Policy Shapers? You're the founder of Policy Shapers. What is Policy Shapers? And yeah. um, what role do you play in your country? What mm. happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, so we established Policy Shapers during COVID. Actually, one of the COVID, um, one of the COVID inventions. Mm-hmm. And um, it came out of just the discovery that um, the policy making space in Nigeria mm-hmm. is mostly, you know, occupied by a lot of people in the older generation mm-hmm. and you don't have youths even having an interest in, in the in the policy making space. They don't even care about the bills or the acts. Mm-hmm. That's why the fact that whatever, you know, impact those bills will make mm-hmm. would have a much more long lasting impact on their on their lives and their future, right? So mm-hmm. We started policy shapers as a sort of a civic tech organization, um, using a lot of technology and social media and things that you know young people are very comfortable with. Mm. And we're finding ways to bring these policies to the young people, and also finding ways to take the ideas on policies to the decision makers. So we're thinking about things as like a bridge between um, youth demographic in Nigeria, because it's really huge, mm-hmm. and the decision makers, so, so that there's like a bridge between the, the two, and there's constant conversation mm-hmm. on what this policy is, what kind of policies that they actually need, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of solutions that they think the government should be doing. A good example recently, the government has just passed the Student Loan Act, mm-hmm. which is one of the uh, products of, lots of like policy hackathons that we, that we do. So we do this annual policy hackathon where uh-huh. Young people like country driver and then form form teams across tribes and you know like sex and you know like brainstorm ideas mm-hmm. to solve issues in security and unemployment and everything. So yeah, so the students don't idea of that as well. And yeah, I mean, you've had that kind of successful idea go all the way up to become an act. And yeah, we're thinking of how we can have a lot more ideas from young people, you know, and have that coordination and discussion so that we can ensure that they're more active citizens. Because I think when we have more people watching and being part of the process, such mm-hmm. especially as young people, these young people are going to become leaders tomorrow, right? They'll be the ones who'll be in the House of Assembly. And... Oh, seems like we are losing Ebenezer. Can you still hear us? We've lost Ebenezer. But that was Ebenezer uh, Wikina. He is the founder of Policy Shapers. And we were just discussing uh, the entire Moody's upgrading um, the outlook on Nigeria to positive um and Nigeria is currently at the top of the ranking of the richest African countries ahead of Egypt and South Africa. Um so yeah. So that was that was a positive move for Nigeria and we were just discussing that. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.